thank you for joining Holy Spirit Living, the podcast that encourages and equips believers to live each moment intentionally to bring glory to God and build His kingdom. Without Hanukkah, there's no Christmas. Hanukkah was the devil's attempt to corrupt the messianic seed. It was his attempt to assimilate the Jewish people into the world's culture and stop the Messiah from being born. Okay, you ever heard of any Canaanites today? No? I don't personally know a Canaanite. Anybody know a Canaanite? Anybody in here know an Amalekite today? What happened to them? They're gone. And that's exactly what Hanukkah was about. The devil was trying to stop the Jewish people from being God's holy people and intermingle them with the rest of the world and thus stop the Messiah from being born. I want to talk today not just about Hanukkah, but about being different. About not buying into the world system. Not buying into the world's culture. A lot of God's laws in the Old Testament that we kind of scratch our heads about and we can't make a lot of sense of, they're actually related to the Canaanites. God was saying, I don't want you to be like those wicked Canaanites when you inherit their land, so don't do this, don't do that. I don't want you to dress like them. I don't want you to do anything that they do. And it's the same for us today. We're to be countercultural. We're to be different than everybody else. It's kind of amazing to me that we live in a world that really values individuality, Yet, for some reason, Christians are the only people that want to be like everybody else. We're not to be like everybody else. We're royalty. We've been purchased and bought out of this world. We do not belong to this world. And one of the saddest things for me, and actually probably the saddest thing for me, in all the years that I've been saved, is seeing people who were once saved, who once were going to church, they loved the Lord, their life was changed, and they go back to the old ways. There's pleasure in sin for a season. But trust me, it's a horrible mistake. And your marriage is going to pay for it. Your children are going to pay for it through you. And you're going to pay for it. You can't walk away from a king and not have it affect you. If you're saved, you belong to your Father in heaven. And He's a good Father. And when we stray from Him and trample on the blood of Jesus, it hurts Him so much. You know, I think we forget because God's so powerful that we forget that He has emotions and feelings too. Do you have emotions? You were created in God's image, right? So He has them, and He has them even more than you. Believe me, this is all going to relate to the story of Hanukkah, okay? (laughs) We're we're going that way. In fact, listen closely because I'm going to give you a lot of information, but it's going to come together at the end. Okay, so what is Hanukkah? Well, I'm not going to go through the whole story. But Hanukkah really celebrates two things. Number one, it celebrates the Maccabees retaking the temple and dedicating it back to the Lord. In fact, Hanukkah actually happens in between the Old and New Testament. So I apologize in advance because I'm not going to use a lot of scripture because I'm telling a story that happened in between the Testaments. Okay? But Hanukkah celebrates... This great revolt led by a family known as the Maccabees in which they retook the temple. Now an evil man named Antiochus Epiphanes hated the Jewish people. He hated them worshiping their God. He outlawed them from reading the scriptures, the Torah. 
He would not allow them to honor the Sabbath. He would not allow them to circumcise their children, which was a sign of the covenant the Jewish people have with God. He didn't want them eating kosher. He, he eliminated the worship of God. He took the temple. But praise the Lord, a family said enough's enough. Some soldiers went to the city of Modin and they had a makeshift altar and they were trying to get the priesthood, the Levitical priesthood, to, to bow down to them and to Antiochus's rule. And they would take pigs and put it on an altar and make the priest sacrifice the pig as a sign of their submission to Antiochus. And a Jewish man named Metathias said, no, I'm not going to do this. All the other priests are doing this, but I'm not. I've had enough. And he actually took and slaughtered the soldiers that came to the priests, and he took off with his family into the wilderness. They became known as the Maccabees. That's not actually their last name. That was a nickname that means hammer. And so eventually, people started getting word of this defiant act by Mattathias. And they started joining with him in the wilderness. And they slowly amassed an army in the wilderness. And they would use guerrilla warfare tactics to fight off the Greco-Assyrian soldiers. And eventually, this ragtag group of soldiers in the wilderness, it took about three years, but they ran the Greco-Syrian army out of the land of Israel, and they got their temple back. Now, the temple was a mess at that time. It was a disaster. A total disaster. Because obviously, Antiochus didn't really care about the Jewish people's worship of God. The altar was broke down. There was actually a statue to Zeus, which looked like Antiochus according to Jewish history. He wanted to be worshipped. There was a statue of Zeus at the temple. They had to knock that down. It was in complete disarray. So number one, Hanukkah celebrates the Maccabean rebellion that brought the temple back into Jewish hands. Number two, it celebrates the miracle of the light. Now, this is a part of the miracle that some people dispute. I happen to believe it's true, but there are some people that dispute this part of the miracle. When the temple came back into Jewish hands, they found the temple menorah. And in the book of Deuteronomy, God commanded that the temple menorah was to stay lit perpetually, all the time. The light could not go out. And by the way, as a believer in Messiah, you're to be lit perpetually. Your light can never go out. Amen? Amen. There's types and shadows and all this stuff. We're to be burning bright for the Lord all the time. There are no days off. Your light cannot be extinguished. Well, here's a beautiful menorah, by the way. This is what the temple menorah looked like. It had seven branches on it. And when they found the oil for relighting the menorah, there was only one day's worth of oil. And that created a problem because it took eight days to consecrate the holy oil that went into the menorah. So they were faced with this dilemma, what do we do? Do we go ahead and light it with the one day's worth of oil we have and then see it burn out the next day? Or do we just wait for eight days? Well, the right decision is always to trust God, right? They said, you know what, we're just going to light it. And if it goes out, it goes out. But we're going to trust God. We're going to light this menorah. And so they put the one day's worth of oil into the menorah. And the next day, miraculously, it was still burning. The second day, it was still burning. The third day, it was still burning. The fourth day, it was still burning. And so on, and so on, and so on. And so Hanukkah celebrates the miracle of the oil. This here 
is called a Hanukkah. This has nine branches. Okay? That's what the temple menorah looked like. But this is the menorah that's used for Hanukkah. It has nine branches. Eight for the eight days of Hanukkah. That's why there's these eight branches here to celebrate the eight days of Hanukkah. And the ninth branch is called the Shamash candle in Hebrew. It's the servant candle. It's the candle that lights the rest of the candles. And the first night of Hanukkah, you light one. The second night, two. The third night, three. And so on and so forth. But I want to take note of this candle called the servant candle or the shamash. Now, when you think of a servant, you think of someone that's lower than the rest, right? But if you notice, this candle is just a little bit higher. What's this prophetically represent? Well, it represents Jesus. Even though the Son of Man came to serve and not be served, the servant's a little higher than us, right? And guess what? He's the one that lights you. Without Him giving you light, you'd be dead in your trespasses and sins. We had no hope until the servant, who being a servant is higher than us, came and He lit you, sister. He lit you, sister. He lit you, brother. And He brought you life. And we can shine bright because He was our shamash. He was our servant candle. In Him there is no darkness. James 4.4 4, Adulterers and adulteresses, do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity with God? If you're a friend of this world, that pits you actually against God. You know, Satan actually does have some dominion on this earth. He's the prince of the power of the air. He actually has some dominion here. But when you belong to God, you're brought out of that dominion. A supernatural protection is placed upon you. One that maybe we can't even fully comprehend on this earth. But there is a supernatural hand that's over you to protect you. Whoever therefore wants to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. That's James speaking. Friendship with the world pits you against God. As believers, we're not to be like everyone else, as I said earlier. We're not to watch the same movies the world watches. We don't listen to the same types of music that the world listens to. We don't necessarily dress the same way the world does. We're to be these round pegs trying to fit into a, a square hole. It just isn't supposed to work, and that's okay. I'm good with that, because God saved me out of this world. I once was part of this world, and praise the Lord He rescued me from it. I wouldn't have what I have today if the Lord wouldn't have taken His light and ignited me. I might not be married today. I would have messed my kids up. No doubt about it. I have no delusion that I'm self-made. None. It's all Him. It's all His light. Trust me, we're going somewhere with this. And it's about Hanukkah, trust me. I want to tell you a little story because a lot of my message is actually about what happened before Hanukkah. The story I'm going to tell you, you will not learn in a history book. The story I'm about to tell you is not in your Bible because, again, it happened in between the Old and the New Testaments. But this story is actually confirmed by two ancient Jewish sources. Number one is the Talmud. Now, I do not endorse the Talmud doctrinally in any way, shape, or form. In fact, there are things against Jesus in the Talmud. However, historically, a lot of it you can trust because the people who passed down this information and then eventually wrote them down, although they were wrong doctrinally, they were sincere in what they wrote. So we can trust a lot of the history 
in the Talmud. And then also, the ancient Jewish historian Josephus. Josephus lived in the first century. He was born about five years after Yeshua went to heaven. And he recorded events from Jewish history in books that he wrote. And he also confirms the story I'm about to tell you. And it's really an amazing story. We're going to go back to the time of Alexander the Great. It happened before Hanukkah. Alexander the Great was a ruler that actually favored the Jewish people under his reign. And that's odd, historically speaking, because number one, the Jewish people didn't get favored by a lot of foreign kings. I mean, we got a long list. You know, I often joke, when you go against Israel, you give them a holiday. The Pharaoh came up against them, right? God defeated the Egyptians and gave them a holiday, Passover. The Persians came up against them. God gave them a holiday, Purim. Antiochus came up against them. God gave them a holiday, Hanukkah. How's come history just doesn't seem to learn from that? <laughs> Adolf Hitler tried to wipe the Jewish people off the face of the earth, and he came dangerously close. But out of the ashes of the Holocaust, miraculously, God gave the Jewish people another holiday. It's called Independence Day, the day they got their land back. How in the world does that happen? They were almost non-existent in Europe. Satan slaughtered six million Jews, and they end up back in their land a couple years later that they were gone from for 2,000 years? You think there's not a God? You're nuts. I'm sorry. And that's the Bible, by the way. The fool has said in his heart there is no God. Okay, Alexander the Great, he favored the Jewish people. Okay, here's the story why. Here's the backstory. This is an amazing story. You won't find this in your history books. When Alexander was conquering the known world at that time, word came to Jerusalem that Alexander was coming. And the Jewish people were afraid. I mean, Alexander wasn't a great guy. They knew they were in trouble. They knew they could not defeat Alexander's forces. And so the high priest named Jadua, he gathered the people together and he told them what was going on. And he asked everybody to fast and to pray for what God would have them do. And Jadua then went to sleep and the Lord gave him a dream. And in that dream, God told Jadua, you're to gather all the people together and then gather all the priesthood together. You're all to put on your white robes and Jadua, you're to lead the priesthood outside the city gates. Open up the city gates, march everybody out and just wait for Alexander. Now in the natural, that was suicide back then. You did not open your city gates to the enemy. They would kill you. So in the natural, this was a horrible idea. But guess what? The people were like, amen, let's do it. Do you know why? Because God imparted them with a supernatural faith. Because they shouldn't have believed that. And may I say to you today, that we so often focus on the big miracles, and, and understandably so. We love to see the blind have their sight restored, right? We need to see cancers disappear. But the greatest miracle of all is your faith. It really is. The fact you sit here saved today is a miracle from a God who loves you. God imparted to me supernatural faith. It's supernatural faith that was imparted to us. And God let you in on it. You're to lead the priesthood outside the city gates. And they're waiting for Alexander the Great to come and slaughter him? Well, here comes Alexander's army. And all of a sudden, Alexander halts the troops. He then gets off his horse. His general says to him, and I'm paraphrasing, Alexander, what in the world are you doing? What's going on here? 
And Alexander just keeps walking up to the crowd of people. And he walks up to Jaduah, the high priest, and he says, and again, I'm paraphrasing, what in the world's going on? Because I had a dream. And I saw all these people standing outside these gates dressed in white, and I saw you specifically in my dream. That's the mystery of why Alexander the Great favored the Jews. The high priest Jadua then took Alexander inside the city gates. He brought him to the temple complex, and he showed him verses in the book of Daniel that prophesied about Alexander the Great. Did you know Alexander the Great's in your Bible, prophetically? Daniel 7, 6, Daniel 8, 3 through 8. Daniel 20 and 22, Daniel 11.3, all prophesy about Greece rising as an empire and a great king that would lead them. Let me just read to you one of the passages that the high priest showed to Alexander. Daniel 8, verse 20. The ram which you saw having two horns, they are the kings of Media and Persia. Okay, those are the Medes and Persians. They were the ones who Alexander conquered to conquer the known world at that time. And the male goat is the kingdom of Greece. The large horn that is between its eyes is the first king. Alexander saw that and said, that's me. Your God has favored me and given me the kingdoms of the world. And Alexander told the Jewish people, you are free to sacrifice your God all that you want under my reign. In fact, Alexander told the Jewish people that every seventh year, because the Torah commands every seventh year the land was to lay rest, and they couldn't prosper off the land that seventh year. He told the Jewish people that you do not have to pay taxes every seventh year. You're exempt in my kingdom, for I know that your God has exalted me. God does things like that. He makes a way for us. He brings us favor. In fact, there's probably so many things God's done for us that we don't even know about. I am convinced that God has gone before each and every one of you in ways you will never know on this earth, but you'll know in heaven one day. Okay, so during this time, the Samaritans. You know who the Samaritans were? Well, let me give you a little history lesson. The Samaritans were actually part of the northern kingdom at one time. Okay, Israel had a unified monarchy, and then under Solomon's son Rehoboam, the kingdom split. And the northern kingdom was known as the kingdom of Israel, and the southern kingdom was known as the kingdom of Judah. Well, eventually, because of the kingdom of Israel's sins, God raised up the Assyrian army to conquer them. And they took them, and what the Assyrians would do in order to stop a rebellion from nations that they had conquered, he would take them and scatter them all over his empire so they couldn't get together and fight back. And that, that's really a good strategy. But what happened is, the children of Israel, as they were scattered to these different regions and these different areas, they ended up intermarrying with Gentiles in creating this race known as the Samaritans. They were part Jewish, part Gentile. And the Samaritans, when Alexander the Great favored the Jews, they claimed, oh, we're Jews too. Hey, Alex, we're one of them. Favor us too. And so Alexander the Great favored the Samaritans. Okay, we'll get back to that part of the story later. Next step in the journey. And unfortunately for the Jews, Alexander didn't live very long. He died very shortly thereafter. And his kingdom was split into four different quadrants. And that's actually prophesied in the Bible too. Daniel 8.20.22 prophesies that. And eventually a king would arise named Antiochus Epiphanes. But let me back up just a little bit. The Greeks used a technique known as Hellenism. You ever heard the term going Greek? That actually refers to Hellenism. And what the Greeks would do, they would try to assimilate people into their culture as a way of stopping them from rebelling. In other words, hey, it's cool to be Greek. 
look, we got all these great philosophers. Oh, we're, we're, we're cool, man. Just be like us. Culturally, we're the place to be. We're the people to be. Don't you want to be like us? And one of the techniques that the Greeks would use is they would actually build gymnasiums in nations that they conquered to try to get the people immersed into their culture. The Greeks were trying to trick people to come to their gymnasiums and be like the Greeks. And you say, well, what's the big deal about that? Going to the gymnasium, playing sports, that's not a bad thing. And you're right, it's not. But there's one little caveat here. To participate in the gymnasium, you had to do it naked. The Greeks played sports naked in the gymnasiums. And of course, to the Jewish people, that was forbidden. You didn't uncover the nakedness of another person. And this is where the story turns sad. The Jewish people started getting so enamored with the Greek culture that they started selling out. Much to the horror of the religious Jews, they weren't selling out, but a lot of the Jews started selling out. Man, we want to go to the gymnasium. We want to run. We want to wrestle. We want to do the things they're doing. That's so cool to play sports. And so they started going to the gymnasium naked. And then it gets even sadder. I remember when I first learned this years and years ago, it really broke my heart. The Jewish people were so enamored with being a friend to the world, they actually wanted to be so Greek that they started hiding their circumcision while they were naked. I'm not going to get into how they did that, but they actually started hiding their covenant sign with God because they wanted to be like the world. They wanted to be like the Greeks. They were pretending that they didn't belong to God when they were in the gymnasium. Friends, this happened over 2,000 years ago, and it's happening now. Christians are hiding their circumcision in playing in the world's gymnasium. Is that you today? Are you playing in the world's gymnasiums? Are you hiding your circumcision when you're in the world? Folks, don't hide your circumcision. Be proud of who you are. If someone has a problem with you, it's their problem. Because you belong to God. And you will answer to God, and they will answer to God. And I want to be on the right side of that answering, right? That set the stage for Hanukkah. That set the stage for Antiochus Epiphanes to rise up. Because when he did this, when Antiochus outlawed the reading of the Torah, when he outlawed keeping the Sabbath, when he outlawed circumcision, a lot of the Jews that had sold out, the Hellenistic Jews, they were okay with it. They didn't really care because they weren't religious anymore. Now the religious Jews were horrified by it. Praise the Lord, the Maccabee family was horrified by it. But a lot of them, they had been so conditioned over the years of assimilating into the culture and being worldly that, eh, yeah, we can't read our Bible. We don't read it anyways. Can't honor the Sabbath. Eh, we don't really honor it that much anyways. So to a lot of the Jewish people, it wasn't a big deal. Satan had set them up to receive what was going to happen next with Antiochus. And may I say to you that the devil wants to do the same thing to each and every one of you here today. The devil never comes to you with a red suit, horns, and a pitchfork. He's actually a very beautiful creature in his actual essence, and that's how he comes to us. Falling away from the Lord, it always starts out like this. Just a tiny step, tiny steps. And eventually, before you know it, you're a mile away from him, and you don't know how you got there, but you got there. The devil is willing to wait years to pull you away, and he's trying that with some of you right now. I absolutely know that. Praise God for the Maccabees and the uprising that they brought. But as I said earlier, when they got to the temple, it was a mess. It was destroyed. I want to read to you about five points here. Remember what I said earlier. When the Maccabees retook the temple, 
The sacrificial altar was polluted and defiled. Number two, they found a statue of Zeus had been set up at the temple. Number three, the temple menorah, which was to be lit perpetually, was unlit, no fire. They found out, number four, that the consecrated oil had run out. And number five, Israel's freedom of worship was taken away. They could not worship God. Back to the Samaritans. When Antiochus rose to power, those Samaritans who were half Jew, half Gentile, who claimed they were Jews when the favor was upon the Jews, when Antiochus arose and hated the Jews, guess what the Samaritans did? We're not Jews, we're Samaritans. So that gives you a little background as to why the Jews didn't like the Samaritans. A lot of people think it was just a racial thing. It wasn't. It's because the Samaritans were traitors. They stabbed him in the back. They loved the favor of God when it was available, but when the persecution came, we're not one of them. So I want to ask you actually seven questions. Number one, have you polluted your sacrificial altar? Your body is a temple unto the Lord. Have you polluted it? Have you defiled your temple? There are so many ways we can defile our body. Are you having relations with someone who isn't your spouse? That's defiling your body. Your body's a temple to the Lord. It belongs to Him. It's not your body, your choice. It's God's body. It's downright scary what's happened to the church in the last few years. You know there are more Christians today that are okay with abortion than ever before? That's staggering. What book are they reading? The Bible is very clear, by the way. You are fearfully and wonderfully made. God knit you in your mother's womb. But guess what? I don't even need the Bible to know that God's not okay with a baby being slaughtered in its mother's womb. What's going on in these churches? They became a friend of the world. They went Greek. And slowly, they walked away. How can that be? The church hiding the circumcision. They're going Greek. Number two, have I erected an idol in my heart? Just as Antiochus erected an idol to Zeus at the temple, have you erected an idol to God in your heart? It's often been said that anything that comes between you and God is an idol. And there's a lot of truth to that. There really is. And sometimes an idol isn't necessarily something bad. Football's not a bad thing. I like football. But football can become an idol. Your spouse. Your spouse can become an idol. You worship them before God. You put them before God. Your children can become idols. Your job can become an idol. Let me tell you something. David says, I've never seen the righteous begging for bread. You don't need to work all the time. Your kids need you. Trust God to provide for your needs. You don't have to work every single minute of overtime they offer. Your kids need you more than that. Don't let your job become an idol. Number three, have I allowed my fire to go out? Are you still burning like you were when you were first saved? I think most of you would say, and I know I would say this, I've been married for 26 years. I can honestly tell you I'm more in love with my wife now than I was 15 years ago. I think a lot of you can say that. I hope you can. I can honestly tell you I'm more in love with my wife than I was when we first said I do. And I really loved her then. And I'm more in love with her now. But for some reason in the church, it's like the most on fire for the Lord people are the ones who just got saved and the older people are just kind of kicking back. That doesn't make sense. The longer you've been married to Jesus, the more on fire you should be for Him. And I'm not picking on people that have been saved 10, 15, 20 years, but that's just my observation from years of going to church. The people that have been saved the longer are overshadowed by the people that have only been saved for a couple years, and it shouldn't be that way. They shouldn't be more on fire than you are. 
And they need you, by the way, to instruct them because they're still young in the faith. They're still on milk, but they're on fire. But they're still on milk. Is your menorah burning for the Lord all the time? Number four, is your Holy Spirit oil supply running low? They only had enough oil for one day and they needed it for eight. Is your oil supply running low? Sometimes the devil can just beat us down, can he? And he can get us so occupied with things that we neglect other things that, that we need to do. If your oil supply is running low, start consecrating new today. Read your Bible. That'll help fill your oil supply. Pray. You just don't need to pray when you eat, right? Or go to bed. You can talk to God all the time. And you don't even have to bow your head or fold your hands together, right? You can talk to Him all the time. You don't even have to close your eyes to talk to Him. Talk to Him all the time, and your oil supply will fill. Israel lost their freedom of worship. Have you lost your freedom to worship? Have you lost it? Can you worship God the same way that you used to worship God? Because here's what happens. A lot of times when we get worldly, when we become a friend of the world, when we go Greek, we may be fooling other people, but deep down, you know you're kind of a hypocrite. And you know that God knows. And because of that, you can't lift your hands quite as high. You know that God knows. And, and so the hands start coming down a little more and more and more. And then all of a sudden, you've lost your freedom of worship. If you've lost ground, please get that taken care of this morning. I'm not preaching this to be mean or to put anybody down. I'm preaching this out of love. Because we're living in the last days. And you think it's hard now? Wait till the Antichrist officially starts rising. If you're lukewarm, if you're in the world, you're not going to make it. You're just going to go ahead and go Greek. You're going to go ahead and hide your circumcision. Man, I don't want that. Number six, am I hiding my circumcision? When you're saved, you're not just saved from sin. You're not just saved from the world. You're not just saved from hell. You're actually in covenant with God. That's your circumcision right there. You're in a covenant relationship with the God of the universe. Don't hide it. What you are here right now, be that way at work. What you are now, be that way when you're with unsaved friends. Don't hide your circumcision. You're breaking God's heart when you do that. Number seven, am I a Samaritan? Do I reap from the benefits of God when it favors me? But then when it doesn't favor me, eh, nah, I'm not one of those. I mean, I believe in God, but I'm not a Jesus freak or anything. You know, I used to have a bumper sticker that said Yeshua freak on it. I own it, man. You call me a Jesus freak, I say thank you. I am, and I'm proud of it. I got no problem with you calling me that. I always like that when people say, you don't be so heavenly minded that you're no earthly good folks i can't be earthly good unless i'm so heavenly minded stop worrying about what people think and say about you but are you samaritan a lot of times people who believe in god can get into these traps where god is a genie in a bottle when i need him i, I rub the bottle and try to get him to come out and help me he's my lucky rabbit's foot he's my cosmic atm machine when i need money to pay the bills but when your needs are met you kind of put him back on the shelf don't do that he loves you so much. He wants to be your God in the highs and the lows, the hills and the valleys, and He's worthy. Hanukkah is only mentioned one time in the Bible. But the only time Hanukkah is ever mentioned is actually in the New Testament. In John chapter 10, called the Feast of Dedication, Jesus went to the very temple where the miracles occurred. In John chapter 10, verses 22 and 23. As I said earlier, without Hanukkah, there's no Christmas. Hanukkah was an attempt of the devil to stop the messianic seed from coming through the Jewish people. 
And may I say to you that today, Antiochus is alive and well. He doesn't want your seed to prosper. You know the Lord. He don't want your children to know Him. Don't ever stop fighting for your children. Especially in this day and age. And by fighting, I mean wearing out your knees. By fighting, don't be afraid to speak up. You take authority. Antiochus Epiphanes serves as a prototype for the Antichrist. Some of the things I just told you in this message. Antiochus actually gave himself the name Epiphanes. His name, he was actually Antiochus IV. He called himself Epiphanes. Epiphanes means God manifested. He proclaimed himself to be God. What does the Antichrist do? He proclaims himself to be God. 2 Thessalonians 2, 3, and 4. Antiochus Epiphanes made the worship of God illegal. The Antichrist in Revelation 13, 1 through 8 makes the worship of God illegal. Number three, Antiochus Epiphanes stopped the daily sacrifice in the second temple by having a pig slaughtered upon the altar to defile it. The Bible says in Matthew 24, 15 that the Antichrist will also defile the temple and commit the abomination of desolation. Number four, Antiochus Epiphanes set up an image to Zeus that looked like him at the temple. The Bible says that an image of the Antichrist will be set up and people will worship it. Revelation 13, 13 through 15. Did y'all know that Hanukkah had so much to do with Christians? It's a prophetic blueprint for the end times and what's going to happen. Number five. Remember in the story I said that the Maccabees fled to the wilderness when Antiochus rose up? What did Yeshua tell his Jewish brethren to do in Matthew 24, 15 through 16? He said, flee to the wilderness. We're in that time, folks. We're in that time. If you strayed today, please come back. Make up the ground that you lost. The modern day Antiochus is rising. And if you're lukewarm, you're going to fall by the wayside. Gain our temple back. We need to repair the altar, light the menorah, knock down all the statues, and we need to rededicate ourselves back to the Lord. Thank you for joining us today. Make sure to subscribe to our podcast channel and like us on all of our social media pages at Holy Spirit Living. We encourage you to look for the gold and others today. Be blessed, but better yet, be a blessing.